Hello and welcome. I, I had the wrong screen open, uh, so I usually see when it says to start. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. We are back once again talking, uh, finishing up talking about, talking, reading the uh, Tales of the Forgotten Volume 3. And uh, just as a recap, last week I had said we were reading that one entry and I, I took it very seriously. And it was just uh, one of Ido's uh, horror stories. And so, you know, it's just one of those valuable lessons of of uh, identifying who the narrator of everything you're reading is. Because it's not that the lore is lying to us at any point. It's just that the person that is saying it, how truthful are they? Right. It's a little bit of a misdirection and then kind of a character perspective. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's part of the fun, you know, like for, for a long time, uh, I was under the impression that everything the drifter said was bullshit. How, how he went to the fourth tomb of Nezarek and stuff and, and Shin Malfur, who he said that yeah. to was also like this fucking guy, you know, and <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> and and then wouldn't you know like Nezarek is a real thing and potentially had four tombs at the very least Drifter was fucking name dropping him before we knew right yeah makes you wonder but yeah so uh back again we're gonna uh, have have a, a good show what, what what's uh what's new with you bud uh just same old same old trunging along waiting for the warmth to show back up in dry weather it's mm. been moist and soggy and uh raining yeah is it still snow up there uh we had we've had some more snow not much more um but it dawned on me the other day that for pretty much all of january i hadn't seen the sun it was just <laughs> o- overcast every day and i was like wait a second there hasn't been sunlight in a fucking month weird uh, yeah, that's yeah. what it's been like the last two days. I, I, I it's funny when it's like this. I, I get an idea because right now it's drizzly mm-hmm. outside, and it's a little bit cold. Like when the drizzle hits you, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Times like this, I, I, I understand what what it's like in like I don't know Seattle, <laughs> London. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing but rain uh, areas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because like here, it's like uh, normally when it snows, you know, it snows and then it's over and then the sun comes out and the snow melts relatively quick. With this, it's just been so dreary and gray. It's like the roads are cleared. The roads have been cleared because there's cars driving on them. They were cleared the first day, all that stuff. But like grass would still have like just like, you know, half an inch of just like snow that will never melt because it's too cold and there's no sunlight to like hit it and warm it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of those, uh, the sun's been coming out. We actually, in, in, uh, the other room in the living room, we have all the windows, uh, blinds drawn, all that. So it's, it's filled with sunlight right now. You <sighs> know, it's funny. It's funny you bring up the whole grass thing. Cause like grass here is just confused most of the time. <laughs> confused. <laughs> yeah. Like the dormancy for dormancy for grass, you know, that, it just goes brown, right? In most areas for a whole lot step of time. Well, here we have so many mixtures of grass, some that thrive in the winter months and then the other ones that thrive in the the dry, arid months and the ones that, you know, yeah. Yeah. So we got these weird mixed 
fields of grass and mm -hmm. lawns and stuff. And so like right now in my backyard, it's like there's spots of just green. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's, there's like the actual Bermuda grass that's just all brown right now. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so weird. Yeah, we, we very rarely in the summer, our like local grass will be like that. Like some, some places more than others. So that's actually, we're kind of the reverse on you. Our grass is more commonly like built for winter, it seems. And so like in the summer is when it goes, goes brown, but your, yours is in the winter when it's too cold. Yeah. And then we also get this thing where the, the roads, um, get slimy. Ugh. So like right now, if you were to drive out on the asphalt, cause it's, it happens on asphalt. Cause we had a lot of mm -hmm. asphalt roads around here. Um, so you go sliding out on the asphalt every time you take a turn on, you know, slimy weather conditions, I guess. So the roads here, like we got a lot of concrete roads and tons of highways. It's Texas, mm -hmm. so it's all highways. Mm -hmm. uh, but all the back roads and the ones that cut off to neighborhoods and stuff, a lot of those are asphalt in certain areas. And that asphalt, you'll get these long stretches of just black top and aggregate roads and when conditions are like this, they get slimy. That's so you'll weird. go take a, yeah, you'll go take a turn around a corner and all of a sudden your vehicle's fishtailing or you go hit the brake, hit the brakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's only when the conditions are like perfect, like when it's foggy or drizzly or, you know, kind of like that in between weather. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're kind of experiencing a pothole season because all, oh, the, yeah. uh, all the potholes, you know, it. it's, it's colder out. So everything's kind of contracting yeah. and then you have plows going over it. So you have something scraping and it just catches, it rips it right out. Uh, and yeah. so like all the potholes that were filled are now open again. And it's yeah, just again, like, yeah. yeah. They just filled one down the road and it's like even bigger now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the plow is fucking like with with the chemicals they put on the road and just the fact that they're scraping it up like that they they damage the roads cuz cuz really? uh, yeah you 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 know I used to skate uh more when I was I was younger um sure. Connecticut roads are really rough uh in certain places because of that uh because of how it's made because of like the the beating it takes with the weather and everything there's this place this secret place I might have actually told you about it uh, I heard it about it when I was skating at a state park uh, called East Rock. These guys were there. They're like, have you ever been to the Stone Garden? And I was like, no, what's that? And they go, or I was like, where is that? And they're like, I can't tell you, but I can show you. It's, it's like like locals only type of thing, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. fucking surf spots. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. tell you, but I can show you if, if, uh, if we think you're cool. And uh, because it was very like, don't fucking go telling this on the internet. We want to keep yeah, this place. Yeah. Before right. it gets you had before it gets ruined, word. yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the skateboard code. So you had a code name for all your spots, so nobody yeah. would bomb them or they wouldn't blow them up. Yeah, and so it it was it was in a graveyard, and it was this mm. massive sprawling graveyard, and it was like basically just like imagine like a big circle just with like roads snaking through, interconnecting, and everything, and it was on this like one big hill. So like 
it just went down. And so you'd have some that went down really sharp and you'd have some that went up a little bit and some that just kind of like cruise, but you'd be just like, and it's like, all right, I'm going this way. And your buddy's like, I'm going that way. And your other buddy's like, I'm going that way. And then you keep splitting up, meeting up. And then it all goes down to this one mausoleum, this like massive mausoleum at the end. And it was, it was such a cool place. And they never plowed or salted the roads there. In the winter, they're just like, fuck you, we're closed. You know, there's snow <laughs> in the roads, you're not coming in. Those roads were fucking beautiful because of that. They were so smooth. They were so nice. And that's why people loved it. Because it was just like, yeah, like, you'll be you'll be turning easy, like, uh, sliding easy in every fucking turn. There's, like, no grip. Nice. My, wife, my wife always makes fun of me because I, I told her about it. And the term for when a road is like that is that it's buttery and so she'll just like randomly be like it's buttery and i'm like i i I regret i regret sharing that piece of information (laughs) yeah everything is like everything is buttery yeah it was it was a really fun place this this turn up ahead is buttery (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's what i'll get i'll be like that's not what it all right yep (laughs) <laughs> it's funny I, I stopped at a stop sign yesterday and slid a little <laughs> bit it was buttery yeah buttery and icy buttery is good icy is too much because <laughs> icy is like you don't have control buttery is you have control uh, okay. in it you, you still kind of yeah. have it that, that was you a fun place though you downhillers <laughs> That was a cool place though, because be, everyone yeah. was like really respectful, you know. Like no one was like making noise or anything. It was just you go there, you skate, you don't bug anyone. If anyone's there, you stay out of their way, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and that's that's it. why that's why it was like you got to be invited to this place. You can't just come yourself. Right. Um. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> buttery. Don't uh, talk about my spot. It's the first rule of Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it it, it gets it, it at least back in the day it got fucking like serious. Like there were towns that if you weren't from that town and you were seen skating yeah. there, people they'd be like, "No, you're not allowed to fucking skate here. Get the fuck out." That's yeah, like, that's a locals thing. That goes yeah. that happens everywhere you go, man. You know. Yeah. Well. Anyway. It's too flat. It's too flat here in Texas for <laughs> for a lot of downhill. So yeah. that drive, that's all I wanted to do. Like I used to skate, and it would just be like, all right, let's go to this staircase, and and let's go to like, yeah. the town hall or this jeweler yeah. or and stuff like that. And yeah, I just got bored of it. There were always there were always fucking like punks starting starting shit, and I was just like, I have yeah. more fun just going fast anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. A lot of the spots will end up being a hangout, and then yeah. you know it just it gets crappy. And you like people that go there to skate. Now yeah. there's just all these other people there lounging, and it's just they get in the way and mm-hmm. tear stuff up. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even mind if they were just lounging, but it's just like when when like eight eight fucking like twelve year olds with attitude on scooters come come up. It's just like. <laughs> I don't want to fucking be here anymore. Not the scooter kid. On the on the fucking scooter, and they think they're they think they're tough. They're like, do a kickflip. I'm like, okay. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, mad. And like, I Not I could do the better. Scooter kids. Uh, yeah. The rollerbladers and scooter, <laughs> like the rollerbladers, I have way more respect for. But yeah, the 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 you're committed <laughs> on a roller on on rollerblades. The only the bad. I mean, the thing that we 
as skateboarders get annoyed with most about um, rollerbladers is they don't stop. <laughs> they don't fail, you know, they can't. Yeah. Fail. So they that's just what keep I mean. You're committed forever. <laughs> yeah. And so they just keep rolling back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, bro, can you just like give it a rest? So somebody else can have a turn. Yeah. Uh, and then the BMXers, they never bothered me either. The only thing bad about a BMXer is when you're at a wood skate park and they just mm -hmm. blow up the ramps. Concrete, we're fine. But the the scooter kids are the worst. Mm. Their parents don't pay attention to them. And then they snake your run or they go right out in front of you. And, you know, you end up giving a little five-year-old a concussion because yep. they don't know what they're doing. And then the parents are paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, dude, get get your kid. Teach yeah. them some, you know, code of ethics or yeah. etiquette. Skate park etiquette, dude. Should yeah. be a class. Yeah. When I when I was a kid, I used to bowl and there was a thing called uh lane courtesy where it's like if two people approach yeah. at the same time, the person to the right goes first and then you go. You don't go at the same time because right. that's how you get hurt. And when I go bowling now and people like just run up on the lane while I'm on the lane or they're dancing fucking over. Like right. like I get that you wanna have fun and stuff, but like you know, understand that I'm here too. You know, like right. I want to have fun too, and that involves you yeah. not dancing in front of me as I'm fucking yeah. coming up with a 16 pound ball in my hand. Like you're gonna get fucking hurt. Yeah. Well, how about we uh, get to the lore card this week? Nah, this is fun. Let's just keep talking about gaming. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna pivot the podcast. <laughs> we're we're loose cannon. We're loosely about destiny now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. brought to you from the Destiny Armory defined our weekly lore card yeah <laughs> it's a it's a machine gun yeah this is pretty cool i like the way this uh model looks because you know they've taken thunderlord and yeah like created a bunch of other machine guns out of it uh, but guess. not not well, abaddon and nova mortis oh yeah i know man what so there was abaddon nova mortis thunderlord, thunderlord. those are the, yeah we should have got a stasis one and a yep. strand one. Well, I mean, I, so cool. I want them to bring them all back. That's that's like the dream right there, right? So you have you have right. your Abaddon, you have your Novan Mortis, because like right now, what Thunderlord does is it has those like lightning strikes that like come yeah. down, and it's like okay, so Abaddon, give it like um, what was the gun? Was it Polaris Lance, where it was like every five shots causes an explosion or something like that? Oh man, that's yeah, that would be. Yeah. That would be insane. Give Abaddon, like, just, it causes massive solar explosions periodically. Give, yeah. give, like, Nova Mortis, like, uh, it, it like, uh, what is, um, the, the linear fusion rifle that everyone hates, um, the void one. What's that void one that everyone hates? It's in the secondary, mm -hmm. it's in the special slot. Mm hmm. Well, it's it's the linear fusion. Everyone hates it because it's like good and competitive. And when you get a headshot with it, it has a pulling force, so it pulls everyone in, uh, and then it right like, does a detonation. Like give Nova Mortis that, and like that you know, cool. give give uh, Stasis one unraveling or um, uh, suspension. Give or that was Strand. Give Stasis like uh, slow and and thus freeze. You know, like there's so yeah. it'd be so fun to have those weapons. They would probably never be like uh, DPS competitive, but it'd just be like this is fucking awesome. This rolling yeah, up with be fun. a squad like, of yeah. lords. 
Yeah, if you could go, you know, that's that's really fun because when you go down into uh, like the old Vanguard Vanguard strikes and you're just having fun with goofy weapons. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, see how many things you can annihilate with one dragon's breath, you know, yeah. rocket <laughs> stuff like that. I wish yeah. uh, that's that's someone uh, I don't want to be too much on the I wish Destiny would do this train, but that is something I yeah. wish Destiny would do. Like lean well, into the fun. So be careful what you wish <laughs> well, I'm just saying lean into the fun. Like like we have yeah. our serious playlist. Give us a goof off playlist. Like in the you know, serious playlist, like I'm not gonna open up a can of worms, but dude, just oh my god. Like trials, oh my god! Yeah, but I, I mean, like, give us a give us a, a strike playlist with infinite heavy ammo or or massively spawning heavy ammo because it's probably easier just to tool it that way rather yeah. than strictly infinite. But you know, and it's just like, yeah, I'm just running through strikes with two friends, like just shooting the shit with fucking Thunderlord, Abaddon, and Nova Mortis, just fucking shit up. <laughs> it's just That'd be cool for fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, all right. Well, what's uh, this lesser machine gun about? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> this one is a void machine gun. Like yeah. you get it in its void, uh, which is which is kind of weird. But I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, so it, it's called Qua Zafan, and um, so like I'm butchering that name, but. Zafan was a fallen angel who plotted to burn down heaven and was banished banished to hell for defying God. Uh, and really? I say, yeah, I say heaven, hell, and God as in a like a universal term for all of that because it became it, it became more prevalent in um, like later in Christianity. Uh, it's not a part of the Bible, but. I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with uh, Calvinism, <laughs> but uh, when when they started preaching, you know, uh, fire and brimstone later mm -hmm. on in Christianity, mm -hmm. there were like many demons and hell and Satan and all these things that they later basically attributed to certain characters from the Bible. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Uh, uh, but this 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 character or this demon. Uh, it is from a very long time ago and uh it, it just sh it's a really good uh example of how stories spread and influence other stories across the globe from you know like i mean this thing goes so far back uh mm -hmm. ancient egypt blah 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 but anyway so zafan was a fallen angel who plotted to burn down heaven and was banished to hell for defying god so it's it's kind of a cool story because it's well, let's just get into it. So this character, he's said to, uh, or they are said to be eternally fanning the flames of hell with a bellows. Uh, bellows is like that weird, um, yeah, like a tool, tool. The thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the I did it right. So, yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> so it's like a. It's almost like an accordion with a nozzle at the end, two handles, and you just keep pressing it, and it blows air out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like that's like the depiction of Zafan. Uh, he or <laughs> it, Zafan, represents fire, alchemy, challenging authority, the pursuit of knowledge, and the balance between good and evil. Um, so Qua just means like or or like a. 
uh, having having the qualities of. So it's funny because they use quas a fan. So that means this this <laughs> machine gun has qualities like the fan, the demon, <laughs> but it's void. <laughs> so it's it's um. So it's you, so you're funny. saying you think it should be solar because he's he's fanning the flames of hell? Well, maybe not because there is something in here. So um, Zafan is an elusive and enigmatic entity, often depicted as a fallen angel or a demonic figure across various culture, cultural and and uh, religious mythologies. Uh, its origin can be traced back to ancient texts and belief systems, including. Christian, Islamic, and other occult traditions later on. Um, so there, there are some pictures of like ancient uh, wall carvings and uh, you know wall paintings and stuff. And so Zavan is kind of like this demonic character that's you know blowing onto the fire to keep it stoked, you know, keep it lit, basically. Because mm -hmm. you gotta have to have you have to have air <laughs> to keep the fire burning. So that's basically what uh, he does. So in Christian lore, Zephan is considered one of the fallen angels who defied God alongside others and Lucifer. Um, so although not explicitly mentioned in the religious scriptures, uh, Zephan has become a part of a wider folklore and mythology and different narratives revolving around rebellion. Um, during the rebellion against heaven, he proposed to set fire to heaven before he and the other fallen were cast out. Uh, after being cast out of heaven and into the abyss, uh, a.k.a. void, <laughs> hmm. he has been fanning the flames of the furnace of hell with his mouth and hands. And so there's some cool art, you know, that shows... Uh, drawings of Zafan. He kind of looks like almost like a, a golem creature with some horns on his head and he's holding the bellows and he's blowing with his mouth at the same time, stuff like that. Uh, so he was banished to the void. So maybe that's where they're going with the void weapon. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Zafan is described as being associated with fire. Zafan is often attributed to the task of tending to fires of hell or possessing a close connection with the element fire, right? Um, some accounts, Zafan is believed to possess the power to summon or manipulate flames and has an emblem and has the emblem of the the bellows. So like there's a there's a lot of monikers and stuff that popped up um, along the way for like the emblems of certain uh, characters and creatures from folklore. And so, you know, you might you might be in a bar one day and see like a little bellows emblem, you know, and it, and it indicated Zafan, right? It was just like a nod to that person or somebody might use it as a moniker for like a really tough team, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. uh, I find it interesting that along the ways, uh, I mean, just like even, even Satan himself has become kind of like this caricature of this red, you know, pointy black beard horns, you know, you know, evil uh, stare type of character, right? Uh, and they use the 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 image, you know, for all kinds of things. You know, the the deviled ham in a can at the supermarket. You know, <laughs> um, so it's just funny how a lot of a lot of things 
like this pop up in culture later on uh and it's just kind of been like characterized uh like for instance Shaq's name comes from uh, a demon uh but you know so like the word Shaq's everybody's like what is Shaq's well um that's a demon also um but Zafan is one of the demons one of the primary de primary de primary demons uh so anyway <clears throat> Later on, Zafan became to be known with alchemy, which is cool because Destiny plays with alchemy and esoteric knowledge. So this is where it kind of gets uh, interesting because in the game of Destiny, there are a lot of nods to alchemy and esoteric knowledge. Uh, even the phrase Ayat seems to evoke the same kind of principle, uh, the foundational principle of occultism, uh, which is kind of cool. The it's often considered a, a, a or you know Zafan is often considered a, a symbol of transformation, uh, particularly linked to the concept of transmuting um, base metals into gold, which is where alchemy comes from. Uh, so this this connection is you know associated with the hidden wisdom or arcane practices. Um, it's important to note the interpretations of Zafan's origins and characteristics differ, you know, depending on the cultural or religious context. So there's a, like a really wide uh, representation for Zafan across the globe. So while certain people might see him as just straight up a demon from a biblical uh, uh, perspective, others might just see him as a character uh, in some, you know, other type of Eastern folklore or whatnot. Um, many others view Zafan as a sympathetic creature. Uh, and this happened in like occultism and esoterics, uh, stuff like that. Um, they kind of depict him as a icon for rebelling against oppressive authority um, in pursuit of enlightenment and liberation. So he's kind of like used as a symbol for you know, pursuing knowledge in the face of, you know, oppression, basically. Uh, Zafan's origins stem from ancient texts, like I said before, and mythology. So whether seen as a fallen angel or a demonic fe uh, figure, he's basically a symbol of rebellion, which shows the wrestling between good and evil. So like when you think of things being inherently good or inherently evil, he represents his character in between uh he was kind of torn between heaven and hell decided to align with the plot to burn heaven down and uh then he was kind of banished to the void where he basically created fire and <laughs> and hmm. and you know opposition to so anyway interesting stuff uh Void weapon probably had something to do with that, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe they just were like, oops. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's many factors into going what the weapon will be. Like, obviously, some thematic and some just, well, we need a void machine gun. It's been so yeah. long since we had one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was... um. You kind of sent me down a little rabbit hole there with uh, checks and everything, and I found a wiki page that I thought it was all about, like, demonology and stuff, and mm -hmm. it turns out it was actually a Hellboy wiki. 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's some cool uh, nods to mythology and folklore in Hellboy. I love the Hellboy uh, comics. Yeah, I've never read them. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not like well versed in them either. But um, mm. from what I read, I really enjoyed them. Um, I even liked the dumb movies. Yeah, I liked the movie. I mean, I was a kid when those movies came out, so of course I liked those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the the. You know, this gets sensitive because there are people out there that, you know, take certain things very seriously. Um, but on the wider global perspective, um, just to kind of acknowledge it, uh, it, I really I really do believe at the base of it all, there's a there's a central there's a central story that was started. And then from then on, it just. It, it 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 changed and and was shared and elaborated and you know from from there on it just went on and on and on and on and on and on and then cultures and decades went by and centuries went by and here we are today uh playing with a video game and, and talking about hellboy and their mythological characters that were started so far back that most of the people you know don't even have written history of some of them so it's like what does it mean today versus mm. what does it mean back then? It's just like some of the words we use. They're so archaic that the original meaning has been lost. I mean, like like the most recent one would be literal. <laughs> mm. uh, so you got to be careful because there are certain things that uh, linguistically uh, no longer mean what they originally meant, even though that's the origin of that word. Uh, and so if you like me, if you dive down into these things and then you try to take things literal, uh, oftentimes you find out you're, you're just wrong. <laughs> but yeah, Shaxx, Shaxx's name came from uh, a demon. Uh, it, it's funny because in his story, it, Shaxx, the Shaxx from the, the Book of Demons or whatever, uh, the only way to keep him, you know, uh, like keep them under control is to draw a circle around them or something like that. <laughs> and he'll do whatever you want him to do. As yeah, long as you was, draw a circle around. Yeah. It was a, it was a triangle, at least in the Hellboy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It might, it might actually be a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder because I, I think, I think it was either last week or a couple of weeks ago that I was saying that I'm a big fan, even if it's completely fucking wrong, I'm a big fan that Shax is Shakespeare and he, he like yeah. came out of the grave and the grave was like so damaged funny. or obscured. So he just saw S H A K S and he's like, Hmm, yes, Shax, that must be my name. And yeah. just fucking Shaxx ran Slayer. with it. Yeah. I love it. I wish that would be true. I wonder if there's like any legal, um, legal what was Shakespeare. No, yeah. It's all in the, it's in the public domain. Everything. Yeah. But I mean, it's a related. person. Right, like they can't just do whatever they want with a person, can? I guess sure they, can, they can actually. Yeah. yeah, at this point they can. They can totally do that. Yeah, because it's like, uh, yeah, it would he's be been like, in Doctor uh, Who. Yeah, like two hundred years from now, you can use Prince's name as long as somebody doesn't keep, you know, oh. <laughs> renewing the rights. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if um, I don't know if he actually owns the name Prince. He doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Like they keep renewing like you the rights for the... Yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't own it. He just calls himself it. Oh, look at my hair. Well, he's he's dead. 
What? <laughs> yeah, Prince died a while ago. Really? Bro, where have you been? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I, I don't pay attention to things like that. It's it's always a shock. Like, if I don't see it yeah. trending on Twitter, then I don't know it. And if I do see it trending yeah. on Twitter, there's a good chance I forgot about it. Yeah, it was pretty sad, actually. Uh, you know, I, I love Prince. Uh, yeah. Just his early stuff. I didn't tell that new stuff. But he's, he, uh, I mean, he was an amazing person just because he wrote so many songs. Like, most of the stuff you hear or a lot of the things you hear on the radio were probably written originally by print. Oh man. Yeah. I'm just looking at yeah. that now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, David Bowie died too. I don't know if you knew that. But... <laughs> I mean, I didn't, but oh, no. <laughs> I, but if, but if, but I'm not surprised <laughs> in that one, you know, when you say that it's like, yeah, they were old, right? Oh. Yeah. Well, you heard Elvis died too, right? No, he's not. Yeah, he's not dead. Actually, <laughs> he's hanging he's hanging out with Tupac. Oh shit. David Bowie died less than ten years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, that okay, was a bad year for deaths. A lot of really cool people died that year. That's more surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. All tough stuff, man. That 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 covers our obituary section. Um, <laughs> deaths in the last decade. <laughs> so how about well, we we get reading and we finish off this book and we put it to bed? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So chapter we one. Off... No, I'm just <laughs> we left off on chapter. T- we we finished reading chapter twenty two last week. In our last episode. So if you want to listen yeah. to all of them, if you haven't seen that, if you want to read them yourself, they're on Ishtar. You know, it's there's many ways that you can just enjoy, kick back, listen uh, from here on out. Uh, so chapter 23. In the depths of the, t- of the tower, Imaru cobbled together a prototype torso for his monster with patchwork remnants of deceased headless ones. Fragments of pumpkins stolen while tagging along with the Guardian. Missing sections were filled in, the left arm of a deceased ogre, the right ripped from a freshly made thrall. Imaru worked well into the night, wiring and welding and seaming and cutting. Finally, it was ready. Imaru sent a current flowing through the wires and ran siphoned ether into his creation. The chest began to swell and heave as if it were breathing. The eyes glowed bright blue and ether poured from its ragged mouth. The cut... The monster torso pulled itself upright and dragged itself, a trail of seeds and fibrous orange flesh left behind along the table. (laughs) The headless one set its gaze upon its marker, and then it grabbed him. The monster's ogre arm ripped Amaru's shell with all its strength and pulled him towards its mouth as ether vapor rolled over the ghost's eye. Without warning, the head cracked at the seams. It split apart, splattering across the floor, the torso slumped lifeless against the table. What the fuck? Yeah. It's Frankenstein. I mean, if you want to call it that, I, yeah. I see how it is, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be really cool if, um, and obviously it would require like a whole new engine, but it'd be really cool if the Destiny engine, if the monsters, if, if the enemies that we fight were built in such a way, and this is probably like, 
impossible for like any game ever to do but it'd be really yeah. cool if it was like okay here's the arm and you can just like plug plug it all together however you want so you could have like monstrosities like this yeah that'd be, <laughs> that, pretty that'd be fun so what was the crack so okay so i'll read it chapter 24 when when ido found ikora she was meditating beneath the beneath a what kind of tree is this is this a jacaranda or are you actually asking yeah. if I know? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I've never. Okay. So anyway, meditating beneath a jacaranda tree, away from the noise of the bazaar. Is there something you need? Ikora asked. Amusement appear, apparent in her voice, her eyes still closed. I'm sorry to disturb you, Ido said. Not at all, Ikora replied. She patted the ground beside her. Glint tells me you have aspirations of becoming an author of scary stories. How are you doing? It was going well at first. I had so many ideas, but now I think I'm blocked, as Glint put it. I, I thought that writing could help me handle my fears. I've been very scared of a lot of things lately. <laughs> Ikara looked at her knowingly. Eris, she simply said. Ido nodded. But writing is not improving in spite of my fear. It is suffering from it. When we use the deck of whispers... Ikora quirked an eyebrow, and Ido raised one of her hands. I know, I know. Glint said he left a note. The cards made me realize that there are no, there are so many different sources of fear in the universe, a multitude of threats, of unknowns. Perhaps that has become my greatest source of dread. It's important to be honest with yourself and what you're feeling, Ikora replied kindly. You are not alone in these thoughts, these fears, but don't let the cards distract you. They're not meant to tell you fortune or future. They're meant as a guide, a form of insight into yourself. You are the one who ascertains a course of action, not the cards. Um, real quick pause. This, mm -hmm. uh, this bottom part where she says that, uh, those are kind of like the, the main, like thoughts about occultism and, um, uh, esoterics so like eris is playing with cards and uh, you know people who uh, you know play with occultism and uh, esoterics they use the cards and that's kind of how they view it as well uh, so that's a good little summary of of the uh, perspective that people who practice uh you know esoterics uh kind of think yeah because that's I, I, that's kind of like uh, with tarot cards, effectively, because they are supposed yeah, to be tarot so cards. Yeah, so tarot cards. cards is like the most uh, known uh, es esoteric practice, and it, it's really become like a novelty and like a yeah. Uh, yeah. Over the years, we've you know people make fun of everything, but like well, over the years, it's become like a kitschy type of make yeah. fun of this practice type of thing, and like you have the <laughs> the the you know the the sphere at the beginning at the middle of the table you know seances to <laughs> commune with the dead yeah. well yeah years ago have you did you ever play the game um dishonored I think no but we brought this up before i think oh because they had tarot cards oh, okay okay well so then there was a pre-order bonus where they had their own deck of tarot cards and it was like a full uh however the fuck many tarot cards but instead of like 
cups and wands and swords. It was like rats and coins and things based on the games. And instead of the tower, the hanged man and all that, it was characters from the game. Oh, this is cool. I want to do tarot reading. So I was like looking up what does a tarot reading mean? And it's like, in my mind, not knowing anything about it, I'm like, if I drew the tower, it means this. It is very this, like set in stone, easy. Sure. And I could I could just draw the cards and then look up the definitions and be like, blah, 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 blah. And it's not like that at all. It's very, it's very open to interpretation of its meaning. Yeah. And it was made yeah. more so with the Dishonored Tarot. Because instead of it being based on the original tarot cards, it was based on characters. And those characters might fit some of the old tarot, but they were they were distinct. So, like, I was, like, on Reddit, and they were like, well, what does that character represent in the story, in the game? And, like, what were their actions? Like, what would that card mean? What would the opposite, like, the inverse of that card mean? And, right. and all that stuff. And I was like, man... That's not fun, and I, <laughs> I only, <laughs> I only used them to play. I made a special version of solitaire with tarot cards, and I, that's how I used to that's play funny. with them. So okay, so go. So I did a really deep one day. I did a massive deep dive into the world of esotericism and you know the occultism and trying to understand more about it. Yeah, and. The cards, uh, originally, they were just playing cards. You know, they were mm-hmm. originally just the the simple deck of cards, which that even goes way back. Like, they, they played with uh, other things before the deck of cards. But, like, starting with the actual known deck of cards, um, people used to uh, use these as, like, where are we headed? What are we doing? What are we mm-hmm. doing? You know, on their travels around, uh, you know, the world and, and whatnot. And so that's why it really became... Uh, synonymous with like gypsies and mm. you know like in the more pro you know like the more recent times like what we think of like roaming rogues and and people that travel and stuff like that so because they always had cards with them to kind of kill the time and try to see you know what obstacles were up ahead and and, and it, you're right because the the characters were very like within the confines of the group that they were speaking of um Hmm. and so a lot of times they would say like you know like the club the two of clubs represented this person or this thing Mm -hmm. and if it was upside down sideways or whatever when you drew it it meant a different thing too so Mm -hmm. what's really cool is the turn of the century uh in the 1900 or the uh yeah the 18 hundreds right at the end of the 1800s before the 1900s the turn of the century you know when the industrialized uh industrial revolution all that stuff you know we we hearken back to those days a lot of times for like noir films or or uh or for for games and and movies and stuff and so there's been countless uh things that have been done in pop culture harking back to those old timey days you know um the kind of like uh you know, diesel punk stuff like that. You know, diesel clockwork. Punk. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to like put a put a bow on it, right? We we have this one particular block of time when the industrial revolution was happening, but everything was very mechanical and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that people were holding on to was uh, esoterics, and it became this really cool, fun thing to do with a group of friends. You would go to a basement of a 
nightclub or a bar or whatever and there would be this secret meeting with a bunch of friends just having a great party you know drinking smoking cigarettes whatever and there would be tarot cards and so it became a really fun thing for people to break out their Ouija boards and tarot cards and have readings and talk about life and who's the smartest in the room and tell ghost stories and 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 try to create a story and stuff like that and so that's where that's in fact that's kind of where uh mary shelley's uh book frankenstein actually came from was from one of those you know uh gatherings of friends all just mm -hmm. trying to scare each other and she on the spot was challenged to make up a scary story and she did Ever, and created um... sorry yeah, go ahead. That's 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 all of it. But maybe, yeah. but basically, all I'm saying is, uh, so what are modern day ideas and thoughts about esoterics and occultism comes from that block of time, uh, generally when we're speaking of it now in pop culture. Yeah, have um, so, have you ever read the the book uh, Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk? Oh man, my my wife's a massive. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk fan. She has every single book on the show. Yeah, Haunted is no. a, a very, a very, <laughs> a very um, gross, scary story where it basically As it always is with that guy. Yeah, where <laughs> where basically you know you have this eccentric rich guy who wants to be a part of the next great novel, and so he puts puts out the word of a reading retreat, and he's like, "All right, everybody, come in, and you're gonna you're just gonna, or not a read a writing retreat." And everybody, all these writers come in, you're trapped. There's plenty of food. Don't worry. You're not in any danger. I'm just keeping you here <laughs> because you said you would stay here for like three weeks or whatever, right? You all agreed you would be here for that amount of time to write. And we're going to try to like kind of recreate the Frankenstein uh, oh. or origin. And, you know, people naturally... that it plays with this concept of like to be a good writer, you have to be truly tortured and well, yeah. they weren't being tortured. So, <laughs> so they started getting tortured. <laughs> so they started torturing themselves and torturing each other and, uh, and, and you know, putting themselves through it to write the better yeah. book type of thing. Uh, it, very very graphic not for the not for the faint of heart like the the first story uh each each writer has a code name and a story about how fucked up their life already is <laughs> and um the very first one it's called guts and it, it, he did a reading somewhere and people were like violently sick at the reading because of just how how graphic it is wow uh so yeah, just in in regards <laughs> to. That's funny because you know it, this is a good little um, like detour we took because we're drawing on like the influences of writers, right? Because we're dealing with destiny and they have beautiful lore and amazing people on the team at Bungie writing for for destiny. It's like. It's one of those gifts that's just so underappreciated yeah. in, in in all of the things, and um, you know we we are so fortunate to have amazing writers. Like I have never been a, 
been witness to any other video game or anything that had the level of writing that this thing does. Yeah, so, ima- imagine printing know. out every every lore entry, like anything that's like more than like uh, a few sentences, just like piled up. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a it's lot. a long it running really game, so of course it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, some of this stuff is just great. But so, like, yeah. you know, like you bring it up, like we're talking about Frankenstein. This little snippet, you know, is is conjuring up a writer's, you know, uh, history of of study or or just, you know, fan, you know, whatever yeah. it is, influence uh, into this particular synopsis of, of, of a silly festival. Yeah. <laughs> they were challenged to write a part of this thing. And, and there it is, you know. Uh, so it's cool that there's so many things to draw upon. Yeah. And well, let's go back to uh, Imaru and his failed uh, Frankenstein with chapter 25. Yeah, this is cool. Imaru and Archie nervously stared at their second assembled prototype on the table. The tech knitted through the salvaged organic components had been upgraded. A cabal sword replaced its right hand. Splicer wiring wove through its left arm. Vex milk coursed throughout its veins. The rest had been completely pieced together from carefully procured headless one parts, reassembled into a patchwork of organic horror. It oozed a dark gelatinous liquid from its seams and smelled of death. Next to the body was the final piece, a perfectly intact pumpkin head. Archie sniffed and pawed at the dormant head, and the pumpkin rocked from side to side. Careful, Umaru snapped. Those things don't sever easily without exploding. What? <laughs> he shuddered. One favor to Drifter is enough. Umaru attached the head to the body. A perfect, mutilated fit. He opened the chest cavity, in flesh stretching and tearing as he inserted his discolored hive crystal inside. Energy surged through the headless monster, and a haunting red light flickered inside its head. It howled and snarled as it sat up. Ah ha ha, it's perfect, perfect, Amaru mused with glee. You want candy, huh? You crave it? Need it? Amaru said to the monster. It ambled forward and swiped its good arm at him in response. Then go out there and get it. All of it, Amaru said. The monster found its footing and began to hurry toward the door. Archie growled and raced after it as Amaru giggled with delight. Now the real fun begins. <laughs> this, this, honestly, it kind of upsets me that this is the potential, has been the potential of something that could happen in the Destiny universe for 10 fucking years. Right, yeah, that's funny. It's like, yeah, let's just fucking th- th- throw uh, a Frankenstein together, pump it full of Vex milk, and and just hive crystals shoved inside. See what happens. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Uh, okay. So chapter twenty six. This one's short. Um, the headless one quickly made its way to the bazaar. Vendors scattered. People grabbed hatchlings and children, running in every which direction. Glint and Ida watched in horror as the headless one lashed out and shoved a rotisserie over, quickly catching nearby booths on fire. It ripped apart a display of candy, devouring every last piece in sight. 
And when it was gone, the monster continued its rampage. It tore through lanterns, pulling them apart as if searching for something. It smashed fruit from one booth, threw vegetables from another. Frustrated, it began to claw at a drawing of candy on the ground, a fistful of decorations in its good hand as it shrieked with a blood-curdling scream. Chapter 27. A headless one, Ido and Glint exclaimed in unison as Archie ran up beside them. We need to help. I'll go find Crow, Glint said. There's no time. The longer we wait, the more dangerous this monster becomes, and someone could be killed. We have to stop it now, Ido replied. She hastily analyzed the composition of the monster. It's not like the headless ones we've studied before. Look at its appendages. Is that Vex milk? I think so, <laughs> Glint said. Uh, Saccharomyces... Cerevisiae and sucrose react with vex milk. If my calculations are correct, the chemical reaction creates a mass in what humans categorize as toothpaste. If, if the excreted <laughs> gas gets caught, the point, Glint, the headless one would break apart without putting anyone in danger. It would have to ingest. It, it would have to ingest the catalyst, Ida surmised. Exactly. But it's not like we can force feed it bread. It eats candy. Archie barked repeatedly beside them. I don't speak dog, Glint said. And Ido shrugged. Archie growled and then transmatted a pile of candy onto the ground. Ido and Glint exchanged a look of surprise. That'll work, she said. So wait, like, is it... Is, is, this, is this thing like a giant... Uh, 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 wait, I need to look it up. Uh, plaque monsters. What was that thing? There were, there was a thing where there were like plaque monsters, right? From like an old cartoon. Plaque monsters. Yeah. Like, like, you know, your teeth plaque. Oh, for like teeth. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because um, he, he just said he just said toothpaste would destroy it. Is it did did Glint make a plaque monster? <laughs> Maybe the one of the ingredients that you couldn't pronounce uh, is a particular type of yeast used in beer making and or other baking stuff. Uh, so which it makes sense why it excreted gas <laughs> because the gas is released from the the yeast that they use to make this monster, but they. But they combine milk with yeast. <laughs> and so there's something going on here because if a chemical reaction creates a mass in what humans categorize as toothpaste. Oh, so wait, no, it yeah. makes toothpaste. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. If if you if you catch its excreted gas, you get it toothpaste. Makes, it makes toothpaste? <laughs> Yeah, what? Some sort of some form of toothpaste is being that's, made. That's disgusting. Yeah, it eats candy, which kind of makes sense though, because all they're trying to say is like, okay, if you had a monster and it ate candy, what would it defecate? You got to have the opposite, right? So it'd be toothpaste, because candy rots your teeth. Now you got toothpaste. I. I don't know if I follow that logic entirely, but I do see where you're coming from. I, I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to say here is like, if you've got a monster and it's eating candy, what is it going to excrete? Right? Yeah. Toothpaste. 
I guess. Yeah, too, obviously toothpaste. I I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, same same here. I mean, they're they're being silly. I mean, they're yeah. obviously having a lot of fun with this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! All right, chapter twenty eight. Ido raced to a nearby vendor table of Elixney Bakes goods and swiped the biggest loaf she could find. Her four hands worked furiously, tearing off chunks of bread and wrapping them in candy wrappers. And she suddenly realized she was very glad to be Elixney. Ido, Clint yelled. She looked up and saw the headless one barreling towards them and the assorted pile of candy, air quotes, at her feet. They scrambled out of the way just as the headless one descended on the colorful wrappers. It devoured everything with a second, without a second glance, but nothing happened. I don't understand, Glint said. That should have worked. Perhaps there is a chamber inside, something to hold the vex milk as it distributes around the body, Ido asked. We're going to find out, Glint said. He zipped toward the headless one, scanning it as if it swiped furiously at him. The chest, he's called out. Just another monster batted, oh, I'm sorry. I'm butchering this. The chest, he called out, just as the monster batted him away. Glint spun through the air, dizzy but unharmed. Archie barked and immediately rushed into action, enticing the headless one to chase him. The dog led it toward the kettle corn stand, weaving quickly through its legs. A monster stumbled and Archie leapt forward, giving it a solid shove. The monster caught the massive cast iron kettle, pulling it down as it fell to the ground. The kettle landed on its chest with a solid crunch, pouring popcorn and hot liquid sugar into the headless one's body. The monster howled in pain and pried itself free. It swayed as it stood, vex milk bubbling from the chest wound. Crow, Zavala, and Anna rushed forward with Glint beside them, and Ido pushed them away. Get back! She yelled and took cover. The headless one screamed again, its body expanding, the edges of the pumpkin head splitting and cracking. Suddenly, the monster exploded, erupting in a rainbow of foam that rose thick and high into the sky before cascading in a sticky sea coating the entire bazaar. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So chapter 29, the remains of the festival stands in a, in a, laid in a heap. Everything and everyone covered in a layer of rancid, foamy pumpkin ooze. Imaru drifted by, almost dancing through the air as he surveyed the destruction. Did you see that? It was like a giant foamy screeb, he laughed. Better than anything I could have imagined. You did this, Crow exclaimed, and Imaru tipped his hive shell toward him in response. I just set the events in motion. Your little friends there finished the job. The sticky substance, haha, it is amazing, by the way. No notes, definitely worth the look on your faces right now. He cackled and floated away. Happy Festival of the Lost Meatbags. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> I I thought he was really trying to get candy. Was it all just for, for bullshit? Yeah, it seems like it. it. seems like he was just having fun destroying stuff. Yeah. Okay, so chapter 30. What a mess, Ido said. The destruction of the Bazaar's festival space is disheartening. The substance created in the explosion is, well, much stickier than we calculated. Not to mention the smell, Zavala said, covering his nose. This is unbearable. Anna swiped a sample of material from her shoulder. Hmm, it's disgusting, but still just organic material. 
when I was performing some diagnosis on Archie the other day, I noticed a cleanup protocol buried in his subroutines, but I couldn't access the code. Maybe we could ask him to try it out here. What does he do with it? Put everything in a pile, eat it, crow ass, and a shrugged. Only way to find out, only one way to find out. Archie, would you be willing to run it? Archie barked and got to work. I'm concerned. <laughs> I think it's going to be another fat Archie. Chapter 31. Deep in the bowels of one of Spider's warehouses, he gripped the neck of a warehouse worker. So tell me something. When the rule no stealing was explained to you, which part did you not understand? The worker struggled against Spider's grip. I, I didn't steal the candy. You know what's worse than stealing from me? Lying to me about it, Spider snarled. I'll have you. He suddenly stopped, sniffing the air, and immediately dropped the worker as his gag reflex kicked in. What's that smell? He looked up only to see a barrage of brightly colored foam and rancid pumpkin rain down on his head. Oh, no. Yeah, it's perfect. He deserves a bath in it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I'm imagining one of those, uh, you know, when they would do those big rainbow foam experiments out in fields? No. And they would fill up like, okay, so there's this cool thing where like uh, certain chemicals and stuff. I mean, it's all like harmless, but certain chemicals and colored dyes, you put them in a big 50 gallon drum out in a field somewhere. And then the explosion is so big and the foam is so great. It covers like a football field, like in an instant. Okay. It's so cool. Look it up. But I'm imagining like that's what's happening here with that monster exploded and it just all went in the air suddenly. <laughs> all right. Chapter 32. As Crow and Zavala made their way through the Elixni quarter, they passed the cluster of young Elixni gathered around a mechanical dog. One hatchling ran forward and stopped short in front of Zavala, her forearms full of candy. She looked up at him and chittered with delight. A chuckle escaped Zavala's lips, and he was surprised by his own sudden smile. Crow waved him on, and they eventually found themselves in front of a small but impressive workshop. A sparrow sat suspended on a lift, thrusters removed, and Elixir tinkered beneath. It's coming along, Crow called out. The teenage mechanic jerked in surprise and hit her head on the sparrow. She muttered an Elixir phrase under her breath. It's Zella's. Who taught you such curse talk, Nick? chided as she rounded the corner. You did. Itzelas replied with a grin. Hmm, very likely. Come, greet our guest. Nick and her sisters. Itzelas, this is Commander Zavala, Crow said. Itzelas? That's a unique name, Zavala said. Nick slung two arms around her young sister. Standard elixir would not do for this one. Itzelas pushed her arms away earning a laugh from Nick. Zavala nodded. A pleasure to meet you both. We don't want to keep you, but, well, there's something I wanted to deliver personally to you today. He held up a small, unsuspecting toolbox. Nick's eyes went wide as she gasped. Amanda's instructions were to share them with someone who has machinery on the brain and oil in their veins. We couldn't think of anyone more fitting, Nick, than you, Crow explained. Nick accepted the gift, and Zavala held out a wrap, uh, an item wrapped in cloth toward Itzelas. And from what I, from what Crow has told me about you, I'm sure Amanda would want you to have this. 
It zealous unwrapped the cloth, revealing a well-loved spanner. She tenderly touched the initials graved, engraved on the tool, then hugged it to her chest. Commander, I would like to know her as you know, knew her. Will you share her stories? There are servitors, hollow recordings we could watch together, Neek said and motioned for the two guardians to come inside. Would you like some tea? Zavala looked down into the hopeful gaze of Itzela's and recognized something he had seen in a young human girl many years ago. I would be honored to share with share her with you. So that's sad. <laughs> well, that that kind of gives me uh, some hope for the future that uh, Itzela's oh, will. Oh God, you said it again. I did. Oh, um, for the future. <laughs> uh, that Itzela's would would eventually become like an NPC. You know, like I'd, yeah, I'd love to that see be cool? more of that, yeah. like actual like uh, evolutions like that. Yeah, like an elixir mechanic working on the sparrows and, yeah. and stuff instead of yeah, that would be cool. And um, uh, some people might notice uh, Zavala looked down at the hopeful gaze of Itzelus and recognized something he had seen in a young human girl so many years ago. Yeah. Uh, was it Forsaken with the Zavala? Uh, or was it Destiny Two with the cut Zavala cutscene? Yeah, oh, such a good cutscene too, because yeah. it shows him like on his journey of being a young uh, light bearer, becoming yeah. a guardian. Like he, a cra- uh, an awoken ship crashed on Earth. Ghost revives him. It's it's Zavala, you know, like Greenhorn Zavala goes on his yeah. journey, finds the early city. He's he's building up the tower. He's there for all of it. And then there's a scene in the tower where he's there and there's, there's like Amanda, like six year old Amanda must have just made it to the city. And it's like, so he was there, there, you know? And, and so it must've been hard for him to lose someone who he's, he's like watched over for, for decades, I'd imagine. Right. But now he's seeing it again. Yeah. Somewhat adopted daughter almost. Yeah. in, In ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Zavala has already experienced heartbreaking loss, as they talked about, you know, with yeah. his wife and his son, and so it's just like compounded. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. And then we have the final entry, the epilogue. The amazing stories you have just experienced are now a part of a Lixney record. You may not believe any of them to be true, but if you do, know that you are in good company with those who have lived these tales. The universe is an enigma, wild and mysterious, full of horrors and terrors and temptation. But go where others are tremulous to tread. Step beyond your senses and embrace the unknown, for only then will you discover new truths and new adventures. But only if you dare. Ithax, House of Light. Yeah, Ithax. Is that a name we've uh, seen before? Doesn't sound familiar. It's not. So like this, this came up uh, when when the when this happened. You know, I, like this was one of the things that popped up uh, when the Festival of Lost came out. People were talking about. I remember, and um, they were talking about uh, what was it? God dog it! I'm trying to remember exactly what they were trying to refer it to. But but yeah, he Ithax uh, was. I mean, he's a obviously worker. a scribe. Yeah. I just know that it was one of the Aramis uh, scrap workers was originally all I could remember from that discussion. Was named, was named Ithax? Yeah. 
so it, it's in the lore um but well, like it was not, one of those throwaway lines lore, early on Ishtar, but then i guess they're trying to i guess they're trying to build upon it so maybe this is a point to something in the future uh you're thinking of ethics oh am i yeah ethics is i-t-h-y-k-s the scrapbooker oh. Ithax You're right. is a scribe of House of Light. So maybe they're trying maybe they were thinking it was the same person originally. Yeah. Um so, they see, so this they is just a new people. person. Yeah, yeah so this I, is just a straight up new person. I believe we I believe we killed uh Ithix, the scrap worker. Yeah. yeah you're right. were in, and I think that's uh, why they were discussing it. Yeah. yeah. That's all the way from okay. season right. of plunder. So Okay, so not ethics, not to be confused with ethics. This is Ithax. Yeah. A okay. scribe of the cool. House of Light. Um so so that's that, that's gonna be uh it for us this week. And we will be back on the eighteenth of February. Wait. No, we won't. What is that? Uh that is the weekend after Valentine's Day, and I will not be home that day. Okay. Um, because we're doing a, a post Valentine's Day uh little getaway. Okay. Uh so we'll be back. Are you good for the twenty fifth? Yeah, of course. Okay. So then we'll just push it back one week. We'll be back on the twenty fifth of February and potentially unlikely, but potentially <laughs> on the twenty fifth <25th> of February. <laughs> if it happens, if it works out. We will actually get to uh, preview the Final Shape Collector's Edition lore book because I got a, a notification, email notification, that it was still scheduled to ship to the light uh, Final Shape r- original release date. Obviously, Final Shape has been pushed, but I will still be getting my Collector's Edition as yeah. previous yeah i got my i got my email also <laughs> awesome so then so then you can you yeah. can read yours as well and um you know we can we can show off uh the cool little any cool little secrets that we find uh yeah. plug it into the the psychometer see if there's any uh oh that's a good any idea adi- yeah, any additional things see what happens. yeah <laughs> Because I I think there was there was still more. I need to, I need to go through the uh, the hidden dossier again because it had that that image that was like and here's all the things that you can. Oh, I mean everything's already been uh, data mined from it. Or I don't know if data mined is the proper term. Either way, uncovered. I don't know. Yeah, because it was like the the psychometer. Obviously, it's a device. It's not connected to the internet or anything, so every audio file is on the device. So people who got it day one opened it up and there was like do 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 doing whatever the fucking science they were doing. They got all this all the audios out. <laughs> so so uh, the coolest one was um, the Lucent Moth figure. Do, do do you know about this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we got the Lucent Moth fi- figure, put it on there and it. It uh, did something too, which yeah, is kind so, of a, a surprise. Well, yeah. So it's in it's in the the hidden dossier. Uh, uh, a lucent moth image is in the the hidden dossier, and so when you finally got the lucent moth figurine and you put it on the psychometer, it makes this um, 
if I'm quick and I find it, it makes this random sound, right? And so that random sound actually makes something very cool. And so it just makes a sound, and unlike the rest of them, it didn't, like, give you blah, 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 speaking. It just kind of shrieks at you. And so that sound, I put it on screen for anyone watching, that sound made a spectrogram. And when you played that audio into the spectrogram, it was an image of a moth. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, it's like, that's just one of the the, the coolest fucking things. Like, it's so, like... So hidden, but like I love that shit. Yeah, um, that is cool. So I don't think there will be anything new for the psychometer. Um, but hopefully we'll get our collector's editions in time. And we can talk about it on next episode. If not, we'll be talking about it soon. We can guarantee that. Pretty much as soon as we get them and get them digi- digitally uh, uploaded, so that we can read them, make notes on them uh, in our in our docs. Uh, we will be discussing that. Uh, very excited to see what that will have. So, yeah, there should be some cool stuff um, leaked out by then, or you know, maybe yeah. some uh, Destiny a cutscene or something in the future. Man, I, I just we got a ways to go, but you know, we need something to fill the gap. Yeah, I'd like to see. I mean, more than anything, I'd like to see if they if they could. Um, I don't know how how uh, time intensive it would be, but if they can give us this like a cutscene uh showing the development of like kind of where we leave off in season of the wish and where yeah. we're going to be in final shape if they can like put something together that's kind of like here's what's happening like right now at this point in the game and it it's not the most like groundbreaking reveals or anything but it's just kind of like saying and there's progress being made here's here's the progress that's being made here's a little bit of character development here's a little bit of what you can expect you know stuff like that I, yeah I that would be like great and yeah. ma- no it probably do you think uh one quick thing do you think uh that the uh updated light subclass abilities will be tied to the story i hope so you hope so i hope not yeah why? I hope I hope if so, I hope it's like the first mission and they're like, You did it. Here you go. <laughs> New toys. Oh. And that's that's <laughs> it. You know? I don't want it to be missions of let's learn how to use the light a little bit fucking different. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I definitely don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um because if it's not tied to the story, if it's just like a quest and it does not require going into the traveler. I would love if they just like, and here you go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Even if they were like, we're going to scrap the quest entirely, just go to Ikora. Like, it might be lame to just go to Ikora, but it's like new things to play with, like in, in your, in your, in your waiting, you know? Yeah. But there's so much room for stuff, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, I still, like, I'm, I've been playing this game for God knows how long, but I've just, 10 years. I still don't even, I still don't even know what I'm doing half the time. With with the amount of mods and artifacts and you know the things, yeah, <laughs> I can't figure out a combination that works yeah. still. And I've been on dim and tried to mirror some of the things that people are doing. I'm just like, it, it just doesn't work for me the way it works for other people. I'm just like, am I just? Is there something going on? Like, am I just cursed? <laughs> yeah, it's just time to get good. What can I say? Yeah, get good, bro. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find us on Loose Cannon Show at, at Loose Cannon Show on Twitter. Um, if you want to find more of us, that's where you can. Uh, bye, everybody. Bye. I always wait for you to say bye. You leave me hanging.